0: Well, good morning, church. Today we're doing a service, and it's a testimony service. This service actually came out of a, out of a uh, retreat that me and uh, our pastor Scott Wakefield went on. Well, once a, uh, uh, once a quarter, once a half year, something like that. We go off together, and we plan worship for the next so many months. And we got to talking. What we would really like to do, our, our service is called the Celebrate Service, and we celebrate, and we say this all the time, that we celebrate what God has done for us through the person of Jesus Christ. But we want to tell you that his work did not stop at Calvary, nor did it stop at the grave, nor did it stop when he gave the Great Commission and said, go. His story of his work in our lives continues. And his work should be told to others. Mark five nineteen says, and he speaking of Jesus, he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you, and how he has had mercy on you. He said, Go and tell what I, I did for you. Revelation twelve, eleven says, And they have conquered him, him is Satan. Here And he said, and they have conquered him, Satan, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their, what's that? Say that again, and what? For they loved not their lives even unto death. First John 5:10 says: "Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son and is not just that work, but his continued work. And the psalmist. I love David. He's my favorite. He says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Read this last part with me. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. So today, as we share what Christ is doing in lives of members of our congregation, we are celebrating the story of God the continued story, the work of his own work in our lives and in our congregation. So, without further ado, this is Mike and Amanda Schubert, for those of you who do not know them. And today we're going to just talk a little bit, we're going to sing, we're going to respond to God, see what happens. But in this this section, if you don't know him, Mike, you're a successful businessman here in town. Amanda, you're a full-time mom. Uh, you have several children in the house that keeps you busy. Is that, is that a correct statement? That's true. All right, so, so that, that lays the groundwork. God has been working in their lives through the last several years through adoption. And we want to talk just a moment about what is happening in that. And um, so tell me straight up, what... What started this adoption process with you guys? I mean, how, how, how did this begin? I mean, we hear about it all the time, but when, when did it become real to you?
1: Okay, I um, guess this is our story in a nutshell. We began feeling a tug towards adoption back in September of 2010. Um, it just happened over time through a series of different events um, radio programs, different ministries, sermons we listened to, um, and just began to feel the call. So we started in on um, research of different countries and agencies, found our agency, um, decided on the country of Bulgaria, um, began extensive paperwork it takes for international adoption. It took us about six months, and during that six months we moved here from northern Illinois we were officially registered in Bulgaria as of December 2011. That same month, I was talking to Russ Clark at a Wednesday night dinner and he was talking about the needs for foster parents here in Greene County. We felt that because we knew our international adoption was going to be a long process, uh, extended wait, that that's something that we could do in the interim. We got involved with the classes that you have to take, the home study again, and were approved. For that, um, as of February 2012, we're given a phone call that stated we were approved and in their system and they had a baby that they needed to place, and that, yeah, (laughs) the same day. (laughs) So that's our Jeremiah that's with us now.
0: Now, Jeremiah's how old?
1: He's five and a half months old.
0: Now, during this process, Mike... You began, and y'all started to, to refine your search, and y'all were telling me uh, over dinner the other night that you know y'all started putting parameters on what what you wanted. You know, you wanted this and that. But during that process, what was the hardest part?
2: Well, adoption's a funny thing in that um, you start off with God, I will do this. You know, I'll let you invade my life this amount, and That's just a starting point. It's like the mustard seed. So we had parameters. We had things we were willing to work with. We said we would take a child of this sex up to this age that had this few issues. As we got into the process, it just, you know, what's interesting about adoption is there's there's 147 million orphans in the world. There's 500,000 children in the foster care system, just in the United States. And those numbers are big but they're numbers, they're statistics. It's 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 hard to wrap your mind around those numbers because they're so big. It comes down and kind of starts to hit you when you are looking at blogs or you're starting to investigate different potential disabilities or handicaps or whatever that, that you think your family can handle. There's lots of videos that we've watched. The one that strikes me the most, there was a little girl in Plevin in Bulgaria. She was 9 years old, and she weighed 11 pounds, and the videos and the pictures that we saw of this little girl, she's she's not a statistic. She's a little girl that needs a family. And and that's that's the soil that, that God puts his hands in, in your heart and kind of starts to knead and turn things around and prepare you for what's next. And the mom that brought that family home or that little girl home, um, we've actually communicated with a little bit over the Internet. And, and so that story of this little child that... She didn't warrant any special, I mean, there's nothing that she had ever done to deserve to be adopted. You know, she was desperately in need of grace, and that's the story of adoption. We are desperately in need of grace. In Romans chapter 8, it talks about how when we put our faith in Christ, we don't just get admitted into his kingdom, but we become joint heirs with Christ. We enjoy all the rights and responsibilities and privileges that come along with that. And without that, if we're not part of God's family, then we have a whole other destiny that's in store for us. So adoption, in my mind, is the, the purest example of God's love that anybody can experience. And, and that's, that's kind of how we got to where we're at. Um, God calls everybody in James 1, verse 27. He said, pure and undefiled religion is this, to care for the orphan and the widow. And, and whether you're called to take a child into your house... Or whether you're called to support someone that's doing that, or whether you're called to just spend a lot of time on your knees praying about it, um, for the people that are engaged in it, we are all called to that, and and that, that that's our that's our, I mean that's become the ministry of our family. I think I, we've got a, a you know Jeremiah in our house, so that's our fifth child, and we are still pursuing an international adoption, so that'll probably be child number six, and um, I'm not sure it stops there. I, the, the more we're involved in this. The more God breaks down the barriers of what Mike Schubert wants and what is good for Mike's career and what is, makes sense in our family and what doesn't put too much trial on, on my wife and our children and how big of a vehicle we might need someday. Um, I told Scott I might make an offer on the old van that doesn't seem to get used. You know, there's I, – I just don't know. And, and that that is – it's just a story of submission.
1: Through through this process, what is God, what is God teaching you? The verse I brought says um, – it's Proverbs 24:12, and it says, Don't excuse yourself by saying, look, we didn't know. For God understands all hearts, and he sees you. He who guards your souls knows that you knew. And that is used a lot in some of the blogs we read. Some of the adoption um, families use that one just to say that we're aware of the situation. We've seen it. We've seen The videos, we've seen the blogs, we know what's going on, and um, we know through Scripture that God calls us to care for these people, for the helpless, for the needy, for the orphan. And once we know, then we're held responsible for what we do about it. So at some point, it's just a matter of being obedient to what um, God's called you to do
0: ask you guys to pick a song today, and you pick the song Glory to God for us to sing. Why, why does that song mean so much to you?
1: I specifically like the verse or the um, part of the, the song where it says, Take my life and let it be all for you and for your glory. Uh, and that's kind of our prayer, not that we are good at it or do it well, but that our lives would be used for his glory. I mean, why else would you taking a child that's hurting and is going to need special care other than for his glory.
0: Wonderful. Let's pray for a minute and then we'll respond in song. Father God, it's it's evident in Scripture, Mike, Mike just, just preached powerfully here through his testimony, that you care about the orphan. Father, challenge us as a church, challenge us as Christians to become compassionate to your children in your precious and holy name. Amen Let's stand and sing You may be seated
3: You never want to hear That your child is going to have A part of his body amputated When they brought Ty up And they had him in the uh, Nurses station Where we could see through the window No one noticed anything, and Trisha's sister took me outside and said, Chris, uh, you need to know something. He's got uh, three toes on his right side. He's missing some toes. And I said, you're kidding. kidding." And uh, she said, no, I'm serious. And it was within just a few minutes, or actually just a moment, uh, Rick McGill, our doctor, came through the door and said, hey, I, I think there's something you should know, can you come back here a minute?
4: Well, the next thing we know, Rick's coming in and telling us, hey, he has FH, which is fibular hymenilia. Um, Not only is he missing his two toes, he's missing his tibula bone, and the uh, best course of action is amputation. You know,
3: we basically had to force ourselves to say it's going to be, you know, it's fine, he's okay, it's all right. The good option is,
4: is an
3: amputation in a prosthetic.
4: I have who will look at me and say, Mommy, why'd you do this to me? And I'm so much more thankful for Kinley and, you know, because it is only by, I mean, you hear it, but it is truly only by the grace of God that you do have a healthy child.
3: And, and to be honest, we got the we got the uh, reaction that we expected to get from her, which is she didn't look up, she didn't look at us, she kept looking at him, and she said, I don't care.
4: I pray for him every night.
3: What do you pray for I don't know, just
4: that Mommy and Daddy make their right decisions and that time's going to be okay.
3: The questions that I've had are... Uh, did I do something to cause this? I question that. If my past sins had caused this, but I never didn't think that God wasn't righteous.
4: When I was sitting there changing his diaper and he's kicking, you know how they do, and you know, I'm just telling him a lot. He's like, "Well, what do you think? What do you think?" I'm like, I just want it over. I don't want to think anymore,
3: you know? I hope he knows that we made the best decision far and that we could for him. Most of all, I hope he knows that no matter what happens, it's not God's fault. My belief about salvation and how important it was. Really came along a little bit harder when Kinley came along, and so when your kids are there, and you think about the decisions that they'll have to make, um, you want to try to do everything right, and no matter what happens, that's really the most important decision that I want him
4: to make. There's no way we could have done it on our own. Absolutely not. I mean, because since he's been born, we've been surrounded by people that love us and care for us and only want the best for us. And that's one reason I wanted him out so bad, so people could actually see him and see what a blessing and wonderful creation he is.
3: We love our church. I mean, and, you know, I'm sure that some people think of it as just a place to go on Sunday and that it's over with. But the truth is, is that we, we've got a great family. But this is part of our family, and don't don't feel bad at all. Anybody asking, I mean, we expect it. My my parents, Trisha's parents, ask us what we're going to do all the time,
1: First and sister. our church
3: family asks us what we're going to do all the time. And we know they're concerned. I mean, you know.
4: they're not asking, trying to bother.
3: right? because
4: I love
0: For those of you who, who don't know these wonderful people up here, this is uh, Trisha and Chris and Kenley and Ty Wilhoyt. Trish, you've been a member of this church. You grew up in this church for a long... I mean, so you've been here for a little while. And then, Chris, you came afterwards. Now... This story leaves us with basically a half. And so I want to do the Paul Harvey. I want you to tell us the rest of the story.
4: Well, um, of course, as you all know, we went with amputation after a year of, um, kind of like the Schubert's were saying, you you try to find out every resource you can. You talk to everybody you can. You um, go through every resource. You uh, make yourself crazy thinking... Is this the best decision? Is this, is this the best decision? Because once you made the decision, it's decided, and you know there's no going back. So um, we had some great family advice, great friends of us, and some wonderful doctors that were placed in our past, and so um, with all that being said, of course, you all know um, we chose amputation, and um, we don't look back. He's great.
0: Now you were telling me in our, uh, in our time that we we're, were hanging out in my office that he had, and, and you used the word, the Cadillac of all amputations or, uh, of, or surgeries. What? Tell me a little bit about that.
4: Well, I just mean by uh, that if the doc- if someone handed you a piece of paper and it had a list of the birth defects that your child, if your doctor said your child will have a birth defect, choose one, you would choose this birth defect, uh, anti-academic. He has the best possible amputation because it's called the stems or void amputation. And he was blessed enough to still have his heel bone and heel structure and the fat pad under it the, the way you and I walk. And so when he's not wearing his prosthetics and we're at the pool or uh, walk around the house, I mean, he still is mobile and gets around just as well as any two year old. So uh, they do that surgery in a lot of third world countries, but they can't afford the prosthetics because uh, they are still mobile.
0: You're telling about just your experience of going into Shriners. Can you can you uh, tell us a little bit more about that?
5: Well, when we got to uh, Shriners, we were, you know, obviously a little bit still on the, I don't want to say devastated, but still a little bit concerned. But once you walk in, you can see, and as Trisha was saying, there, there are many more children out there, uh, many more people out there, but many more children especially out there that have it a lot worse Uh Trisha told the first uh, service that one of the uh, children that we saw when we got there didn't, uh, came in with no arms and no legs whatsoever. And, uh, of course, Shriners took care of them. They're, it's a phenomenal place.
0: So through this process, I mean, what, what has God been teaching you?
4: Well, it, it's okay. I mean, as you all can see, there's nothing wrong with Ty Like now, going through all that that we went through that first year, I feel so guilty because we did trust God, and I mean we were never angry or upset. But um, looking back, I mean he could have a lifelong problem. Now, granted, I always say I'm not the one that has to wear the amputee, but I'm always or the prosthetic. um, But I'm all—I mean we always going to let him know he's okay, and um, Ty's going to be a blessing to so many people because there's one example that stands out in my mind where he's already blessed somebody. Uh, we were at a Cracker Barrel, I believe, on the way back or, uh, with Kenley, and um, there was a lady sitting in a wheelchair, and, you know, my brilliant mom, the way it works, you guys who know me, said, have you had an amputation? And she was like, yes. Very blunt and matter of fact. And I said, well, I've got someone I'd like you to meet. And I brought Ty around the corner, and her whole demeanor just changed, and, You know, you could just see in her face, if he can do it, I can too. So, I think, and I always had the very cynical perspective, you know, get up and do something and uh, make something of yourself, or you can do it, you're being lazy. But Ty had on pants, you know, you would never know his mild problems. So, tell me a lot of humility. We don't always know everyone's underlying circumstances.
0: Chris, tell me a little bit, you spoke a little bit about it in. In the video, but what role has the church played in your lives?
5: Uh, our church, er, ever since we've been here, is kind of like uh, has been more than friends; they've always been family. And and when uh, Ty was born, uh, there was numerous calls, which we were so glad to have from numerous people, and um, everybody was just so wonderful. I mean, there was uh, no way to, you know, even eat. All the food that we got, uh, people took care of us. I mean, uh, and, and always, you know, can we help you do this? Can we help you do that? E- even Fred Myers was nice to us. And wow. He's, he's never nice to me. I don't know why.
0: <laughs>
5: no, Fred, Fred and uh, everybody was, was great in this <laughs> congregation, actually.
0: Uh, I asked you all to pick a song. You all picked uh, the song, It Is Well. Why, why does that speak to you all?
4: Because I mean, it sums up everything we say and believe. No matter, we're not. I mean, we're not always great at it by any means. But we know at the end of the day, it's okay. I mean, he's okay. I mean, we're okay. So anything he throws at us, it's going to be okay.
0: Wonderful. Let's pray. Father, thank you for for giving me a a lesson this week on faith. Just sitting and, and talking. Chris and Trish just challenges me. Father, we pray for the life of Ty that you will use him and that through all things your glory
1: is evident.
0: Your scripture says that you do all things well and we ask that this is no exception, Father. Father, we ask you to continue to let our church show love, not just to... Chris and Trish and Ty and Kinley, but Father, that we can be agape to the ones in our family that need it the most. And the ones who don't deserve it. And Father, the ones who need it. Father, let it be our church's cry that it is well with our souls, regardless of the circumstances you put us through. Amen. Let's stand and sing. Seated. I've asked Jerry Prophet to come up. Some of you guys know Jerry. Some of you don't. Um, Jerry tells me that he, and this was his quote from the first service, that he, you, you've been here before the dirt was here. Yes. Yeah. That was his quote, not mine. He he started in Central. He came over. Um, he has been. A deacon, an elder, a Sunday school teacher—he uh, served in uh, about every role. He's done everything here, but preach. And uh, uh, and, and his story is going to preach here in just a minute. Uh, Jerry was instrumental in uh, creating an AV department that, uh, quite honestly, were was light years ahead of anything else in Greene County. I mean, me and Scott talk about that a lot. That that we we have uh, we've just had. Great people to work with, and Jerry is one of those one of those people. But Jerry would like to uh, give you give you a statement today, and uh, the floor is yours, Jerry. Okay.
6: Well, Eric and I talked this past week, and uh, uh, one thing he found out real quick that I have a little problem staying on task. I get easily distracted, and therefore that's why these notes. So uh, if I don't have these, uh, hard telling where we'll be. So anyway, and how long it'll take to get there. So. Uh, anyway, I, I would like to share this very thing with you this morning. And uh, the uh, as he said earlier, I have worked in several different areas, uh, one of which I spent many years in was the AV ministry. And, uh, well, as the years went by, I found myself spending more and more time in this ministry. I found myself uh, occasionally... Uh, needing to miss Sunday school to get the day's, uh, the day concluded, uh, Sunday morning worship. Well, before long, I found that I rarely attended Sunday school. That's okay, I told myself. This is important, and it is. After all, I was providing stuff for others to grow in God, and I was still attending Wednesday night's Bible study. I knew how important it was to reinforce and focus every aspect of the worship service on the message that God had for us. So we would work towards the next week's service and would even work before and after Bible school. Soon, I found myself working through Bible study. I knew that uh, with all the distractions of a normal Sunday morning presentation that I was not able to worship and to learn as I needed to. I know this sounds kind of strange, but while I was serving the Lord, I allowed my spiritual life to suffer, allowed my joy of serving Him to be misplaced, my first love. I believe this was God's way of giving me a wake-up call. But me being a little slow and stubborn the way that I am, and my wife's quick to point that out, by the way. So, uh, well, my wife and I did discuss this in uh, this dangerous situation that uh, I was in, that we were in. And uh, we decided that we needed to get back into activities and Bible studies to allow God to continue to work in this situation and in our lives. So when small groups began, it was the perfect opportunity. As I continued in AV ministry, I said I was stubborn, didn't I? So uh, I tried to focus on the message, but but I came to realize that I was focusing more on the ministry and not God. The Lord was telling me it was time for a change. And it has been a change. I have been down in worship service being able to worship with you folks and with my family. And uh, that has been a change. And I've had to do a lot of praying during this time. Well, God's still working on me in these distractions. And I hope He will continue to. I pray that each one of you will be on your guard against the distractions that can take you away from God. Maybe here, maybe outside of here, maybe family. Other struggles with jobs or whatever.
0: And me, me and uh, Jerry, are in some ways, are cut from the same cloth. We were sitting there talking in my office this week, and and both of us, if we go to an event and we sit down, the very first thing that we are looking at is not the speaker. We're we're looking all around. We're looking at the the tech things, and we're and we're and we're comparing it to, to what to what to what we're doing, and. Um, and I know in my life it's a personal challenge because I, I can come, quote unquote, to work, and and very easily get lost and not worship with you guys, um, and we all can. We can get we can get easily distracted. Um, you were telling me about this promise keepers. Uh, because uh, he's in my worship class, and, we, and we've had a dialogue that's went on the last couple of weeks. And uh, one, one last thing to leave, leave us with. Uh, God, God was really working with you in, in, that, in that day. Tell us about that.
6: Well, well, to make a short story long, I was uh, uh, kind of uh, being distracted once again, and uh, I would made a little bit of a commitment in time and all to go to this Promise Keepers event that's some 250 miles away. I uh, spent time getting there, and uh, then I began to uh, uh, to look for a crew that was already there. And uh, so the, I got there just a few minutes late, so I missed the first part of the, the first session. Uh, hooked up with the guys in between the first and second session. Then the critiquing started. I sat down, and I was noticing all the AV equipment, all the video, and how they could do this a little different and that a little different, and... Uh, Um, about halfway through that session God opened my eyes to something and he allowed to see me uh, for me to see the distraction that I had and I was getting absolutely nothing or at least not the reason I had been uh, had gone there uh, out of this and I had to bow my head in prayer and just start asking God to to prepare my heart to receive the message that He has. And after this prayer and after this time of, of recommitting my, my thoughts and all to Him, every word that was said for the rest of the day hit me right between the eyes. I came out pretty battered and bruised up, by the way. But uh, but anyway. Right now, I can't tell you what the what the sermons were on or the message there, but the message God left on my heart was that if I don't get anything out of the worship service, it's because I haven't prepared. It's because I have not allowed myself to come in His presence. Mm-hmm.
0: You you picked the song. You um, picked the song, "The Heart of the
6: Worship." Heart of worship. What? What's what's so special about that song to you? Well, um, there's one part that uh, it talks about Jesus looking through the appearance. What appears to be right. It appeared to be right that I was here every time the doors were open. It appeared to be right that I spent a lot of time here. God looked down into my heart. He saw what was there and what had happened. He was bringing me back. And, uh, You know, it is all about Jesus. Jesus. Everything's about Jesus. My life should be about Jesus. This church should be about Jesus. This worship service.
0: Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Father, thank you for for Jerry's testimony. Thank you of the challenge that he gives us. Father, as this song that we'll sing, when the music fades and all is stripped away, Father, it's just you. Father, let that be our focus. Keep us on task, and the task is you. In your precious and holy name, amen. Let's stand and sing.